0: Hi everyone, JJ here with The Outer Value. Welcome. Well, today we're going to look at portfolio updates from so-called super investors for quarter two, 2023, to see what they've been buying and selling in the quarter, changes to their portfolios. We're going to look at Monash Padbray, Chuck Acra, Seth Klarman, and Thomas Gaynor. They're all investors that I respect and I follow what they do, their investment strategies. There are some surprises here, especially Monish Padbray. So let's get straight into that. So I've got to say, this really surprised me. I went to see Monish Padbray's portfolio, US portfolio, Portfolio, and what I see there is two coal companies and what he had there is gone. So he's sold what he had and he's bought two coal companies. What is he doing? I thought. Now, if we have a look at Papri's full activity for the quarter on Dataroma here, we can see that he bought those two stocks, but he sold 100% of Micron Technology and Brookfield Corp, which he hadn't bought too many months earlier. So both of those surprises to me that he sold out of Micron Technology. He's talked a bit about the thesis for Micron Technology, how it's an oligopoly. And so he's changed his mind. And Brookfield Corp, he's talked a lot about buying long-term compounders here. So what seems to be happening? Happening here is that he has sold the long-term compounders that he bought and seritage gross properties had sold mostly out of that and this time he sold completely out of it so 100 percent sold out of seritage out of Brookfield Corp. And 100% out of Micron Technology. Big surprises to those who follow Monisha's portfolio. And as I said, buying two coal companies. Now those are only Padbrice US holdings, of course. If we go to Ticket Terminal, we can see international holdings as well. If you're not signed up to Ticket Terminal, there's a referral link in the description. They show many different portfolios from so-called gurus, international portfolios, as well as US. And what we see here is that Rhesus from Turkey is is a huge part of his portfolio. It says 41.68% of his portfolio at this point. And AMR, this new holding, is actually second, 16.23%, which is quite big. And Edelweiss Financial, three. Suntech Realty is the next one. And Rain Industries, which he's talked about. And Console Energy, that other cold stock, comes in at 3.76% of the portfolio. He might have other positions that don't show up here. We just don't know. But that rounds out most of it. I think he's talked about racist a lot in Turkey, how he's very, very bullish on that for the long term. So it's going to be interesting to see what he says about AMR in the coming months, if he talks about that in any of his Q&A sessions, regular videos that he puts on YouTube from talking to students and different institutions. So will he talk about this? I think he probably will. He's talked about how he admires Chuck Acra's strategy, Acra Capital Management, which we'll look at next. He's talked about how he likes the long term compounding nature of it and Chuck Acra's Two 100 baggers over time and so this is why it's so surprising to see him sell these compounders that he thought that he liked he's obviously changed his mind there And we'll see why in the coming months, I guess. But for now, we just have to guess. So let's speculate a little bit about why you might have bought these companies. So if we look at AMR, Alpha Metallurgical Resources, engages in the mining and supplying of metallurgical coal to the steel industry. It operates underground and surface mining complexes in Virginia and West Virginia. And if we look at the stock graph for this company, we can see that since really the end of March, it's gone up 71.7%. So it's had a pretty good run this year. And we have to assume that PAPRO bought it sometime in quarter two. We can see that it went through a big dip there in the end of May. And after that, it's gone up 366%. And we can probably guess that PAPRO has captured quite a lot of that upswing. Guessing from looking at this that it could be a short-term value trade, which is something that he he's been veering away from but that would be my guess we can look at the valuation or the financials of the company i'm just speculating as to why he might have bought it it's not in my circle of competence coal at all i'm not interested in that industry whatsoever some value investors don't care what they buy they just are looking for purely for the financial gain i mean honestly coal doesn't interest me from a climate change perspective I'm just interested in renewable energy and things that are going to carry through for the next century. But because coal contributes so much to climate change, it's something that I wouldn't even look at. But For that, it's also very unpopular and there's probably still money to be made in there. Is it a cigar butt kind of industry where it's deeply underpriced and it might go to fair value and then he sells it on? Possibly that would be my guess because it's so disliked because of climate change and a lot of the renewable industries and companies like Tesla are so popular. We know that Warren Buffett's been buying into oil because he sees there's still kind of a big cash flow industry there for many years to come. And maybe Papai thinks this with cold as well. I don't know. Or whether it's just a short-term game because it's so underpriced. We just don't know that. But that would be my thoughts. But just looking very briefly at this company, we can see that the market cap's about $2.5 billion, Enterprise value, $2.2 billion. We look at the return on investor capital is 62.6% right at the moment. So that's very high. Return on equity, 64%. ROA, 27%. So these are pretty high numbers. I can see why he's... Interested it from that point of view. You can see compared to the market cap of the company, the revenues are really strong there. In 2022, it's $4 billion. In 2021, $2.5 billion. So... It's trading at a really low multiple. As I said, it seems like an old school value play to me, just looking at these numbers very superficially. We see the ratio numbers there, return on assets 27% for the last 12 months and 62% return on capital margin analysis. Gross profit margin is around 35% and 44% to 2022. So these are pretty good numbers for a coal company, I would think. We can see that the PE ratio there is 3.26% for the last 12 months, which which is pretty low. I can see why he's interested in that. If he was doing an old school value kind of play, I can see he's looking for really low multiples there that would expand. I think it's trading at a pretty low price and he's looking for multiple expansion and will probably sell it when it gets to fair value or above. It would be my guess, an old school value play. Now, if we look at some of the forward multiples here, we can see total enterprise value to revenues at 0.77 and price to sales is 0.87. Total enterprise value to EBIT is 3.88 and so forth. We can see that those are pretty low multiples and you can see why he's interested in it from a financial point of view if he thinks it's going to go up in the near term and it already is doing that, obviously. So there's a definitely a price correction to the upside here happening. And so that seems to be a classic value play, waiting till it gets to fair value, whatever he has deemed that to be, and then sell it on. That would be my guess rather than holding onto it for a very long time. Now, if we look at the other coal company there, which is part of his portfolio at the end of that quarter, at least, but a smaller part, and it produces and export bituminous coal, the company mines, prepares and markets thermal coal and offers coal export terminal services, as well as develops the Itman Mine and the Greenfield Reserves. It owns Greenfield. Interesting term for coal there. Company was founded in 1860 and is headquartered in Pennsylvania. So there's a, it's a very old company. And we can see here, according to Ticker Terminal, the market caps around $2.5 billion and $2.5 billion enterprise value. So similar to the other company, even though it's a smaller part of his portfolio. And we can see that the ROIC return on investor capital is 56%, ROE 69, so these are high numbers, return on assets 21%. We can see the last 12 months PE is 3.78, which is pretty low again. So again, I can see why. Just from those numbers superficially, I can see why he might be interested in this company as well. And here are the revenue and gross profit figures. We can see the revenues kind of been going down, but then going down to 2020, but then up from 2021. So it's rising. So gross profit's been going up again. So again, I can see he's catching it on the upswing, thinking that it's probably undervalued and capturing a lot of the upside there as it reaches fair value whatever he's deeming that to be so if we turn to one of the companies that paparose sold brookfield corporation which is surprising that he sold it since october last year it's down 27 so i doubt that he's really made too much money on that he's bought it in the last few quarters has been going down. I really thought that he might be holding this for the long term, but obviously not. We don't know why he sold there, but to swap this for coal is definitely an interesting move. And since July of last year, it's down 19%. So really not performing very well. But again, we thought that he would be buying it for a long-term compound of this one, but obviously not. Here we can see some of the other investors that own Brookfield, including Chuck Acra and Thomas Gaynor. Both of who we'll look at today. So they still own it. And Josh Tarasov in there as well. And it's a 12.27% of his portfolio, or at least the US stocks anyway. Here's some of the activity for Brookfield over the last few quarters. We can see that Chuck Acra Capital Management added just a little bit in this last quarter. While Monish there sold 100% of it, we can see. So in the quarter before that, Monish was adding to it. He added 8.46% to what he already had. Chuck Acra Capital Management added... 4.72% there. Then the quarter before that, in quarter 4, 2022, Monish was adding 295% from what he had. So he was pretty bullish on it, adding to it, and then suddenly selling out 100%. So definitely the thesis has changed there, or he thinks these coal bets are better, or other things that he's looking at. We don't know what else he's buying at the moment or since. Now if we turn to the other one, he sold Micron Technology, which is another surprise because he talked so much about the long-term compounding, perhaps the thesis has changed for him. I noticed that Lee Lu, who I've talked about in other videos, also sold a bit last quarter. it would be interesting to see if he's sold more this quarter too. His filings haven't come out yet, so we can't tell. It might be by the time this video is released. We might know. At the moment, Monash Papar sold 100%. We can see there the activity and Yachtman Asset Management added to it. So still keen on it. Another well-known value investor there or value investing firm. Before that, we had Prem Watson, sometimes known as the Canadian Warren Buffett, added 10.91%. And Daniel Lowe bought just in this past quarter. But there were quite a few that reduced. Monish Monash Lee Lu reduced by 40%, as I said in that last quarter there. So it'll be interesting to see if he sold out completely. Seth Klarman sold 100%. Another legendary value investor sold. Perhaps some of these well-known value investors losing some conviction in Micron. So now we're gonna move on to Acre Capital Management. Chuck Acre, legendary investor who's had 200 baggers over time and many multi-baggers. I know that Monish Paper really respects Chuck Accra's investing and he's talked about the long-term compounding nature, how he respects that and he wants to emulate that over time, which is surprising again that he bought these coal companies, but We can see Chuck Acro Capital Management, what they have done in the last quarter. And Brookfield, they added just a little bit. They didn't sell any, but that's sort of minimal, marginal what they did there. Nothing much to speak of. And if we go down the list, we can see Digital Bridge Group, which is a company I've been looking at. They reduced like 2.2%, which is really not much. American Tower, which is one of their 100 baggers, they reduced 3.63%. And O'Reilly Automotive, these are the companies that they've done very well. Moody's Corp, CarMax, Adobe. So these are legendary compounders over time. Chuck Akron's known for saying that when he was asked what's the next American Tower, he said American Tower is the next American Tower. So I don't think that's very significant that they sold a little bit there. Now, if you look in Q1 2023, they added to Brookfield Corp 4.72%. And they added in the last quarter too. So... They have not given up on Brookfield like Monash Pabrai has, still investing in it. digital bridge there, which is involved in AI or digital infrastructure, completely digital infrastructure. They added 2.86 in Q1 and just sold down a little bit. I'm interested to see where that goes, whether they keep adding to that and that turns into a long term compounder for them. I don't think they invest in anything else. They're not into value players short term. They're just into long term compounders. So that indicates they think that this small company will turn into that another American Tower, perhaps. Now, if we move over to Ticket Terminal, they have the entire Acro Capital Management portfolio here. There's quite a few stocks, but they've built them up over many years and MasterCard's still coming in at number one with 17.65% of the portfolio. That's been doing very well for the Moody's Corp is 14%, I believe the 200 baggers they've had are Berkshire Hathaway and American Tower, but some of these might be close to that. Definitely multi-baggers for them, American Tower there at 10% of the portfolio. Constellation Software, which is another legendary compounder, 9.41%, so they really have chosen well over the years. Visa Incorporated, 8.94%. O'Reilly Automotive, 8.14% of the portfolio. We go down the list, we can see an incredible list of companies. Brookfield Corp there is 4.71%. They haven't sold that at all. Adobe's 398 Danaher's 229 I mean, these are legendary companies all the way down. Quality Compounders all the way down. Topicus, which I've said I own. Some of, they've got 3.06%. They might have got that from their Constellation software holding. They might have got shares in that when there was the spin-off. I'm not sure. They still invested that. They haven't sold it. So they obviously do think there's promise in Topicus at least so far. CarMax after that. Brookfield Asset Management, BAM, they've still got a little bit 0.92%. Digital Bridge Group, as I said, that digital infrastructure company. Small caps still so far. They sold it down a little bit, but it is in there. The share price has been rising for Digital Bridge Corp over the last three months. It's interesting to see they haven't really done much with that, just sold it down a little bit. I'm particularly interested to see if they keep adding to that over the quarters, over the years, if that's their next American Tower. So Lumen Group, which came out of Constellation Software as well, and a few of these smaller holdings. They have Goosehead, Berkshire Hathaway there, and Dollar Tree and Verisk Analytics. I'm fascinated by Chuck Accra's investing strategy. He's retired now, or seemingly so, so there are other people there investing, but I'm sure he keeps an eye on things and approves things still. Now we turn to Markel Asset Management. So Markel is a company that I'm invested in, and Tom Gaynor is vest for Markel there. And so it's always interesting for me to see the portfolio. I'm planning for it to be a long-term holding. It's known as a baby Berkshire, and I believe it's a good quality company. This is not investing advice don't invest based on youtube videos tom gainer seems to have a lot of stocks he looks at his investing he's explained like a sports team so the a team the top players are at the very top so he gives them more time in the field of play allocates more to them and then he just starts new players off slowly investing over time a little bit by a little bit if they perform well he'll bump them up and if they perform badly he'll bump them down and might knock them off the team that's the way he invests incrementally slowly over time which is different to some other focused investors who might invest a lot in even five or 10 stocks. If we go ahead and look at the whole portfolio here, we can see that Berkshire Hathaway, both the A and B shares are right at the top of the list. Pretty much 13% of the portfolio is Berkshire Hathaway, which incidentally Berkshire Hathaway has recently invested in Markel, which was I was very interested to see. So there's a definitely a mutual admiration society going on there. And as I said, Markel is known as a baby Berkshire, and Berkshire itself has recognized that and has by investing in it has pretty much saying that they think it's a quality company as well. Or that would be Warren Buffett and Charlie Mungus saying, thinking that Markel is a quality company and putting the stamp of approval on Tom Gaynor, really, you could say. So the next allocation down is Google at 3.96%, which is relatively new. I haven't really invested in many tech stocks before. So Google there is kind of a new entry to the list over the last few quarters, I think. And Deer & Co is 3.65% of the portfolio. And then we have Brookfield Corp. BN is there at 349 So Tom Gaynor is one of the people that is definitely has conviction in Brookfield Corp. Home Depot next, Amazon.com, Apple. He's added to those a little bit just in that last quarter. Visa as well added too. If we go down the list there, I'm not going to go through them all. You can have a look on screen if you want to. They also invested in Microsoft. They've added to that a little bit. So adding to the big techs during that last quarter. So it's quite concentrated at the top over time. But some of these could over time get more allocation to them as he does investing a little bit each quarter. But as we can see, mostly buying in that quarter, not a lot of selling at all. PayPal Holdings sold out 100%. That's an interesting move. It was only point. 0.6% of the portfolio but he's Lost conviction in that completely by the sound of it. So just seven stocks being sold in that quarter and mostly buys during that quarter, which is interesting. A lot of buying going on, even if some of it's small, just incremental buying. But that's the way that he rolls. Now, if we go over to Ticker Terminal, we see the whole list here. And what's interesting is that, again, I said that Berkshire Hathaway is right at the top of the list at about 13%. And the percentages go down quickly. So these top stocks, Alphabet is 396 Deer Co is 3.65, Brookfield is 3.49, and Home Depot is 3.4, and Amazon's 3.3, and then it goes down pretty quickly from 3%, goes down to really small numbers. Players on the team either going up and going down over time and rising to the top. That's the way he does things. He's not incredibly focused, investor, not concentrated in terms of putting a big allocation to one stock like say a Bill Ackman would do, only having a few stocks and just investing big in one quarter, he just would never do that. So looking at the Markel share price fairly recently, over the last five years or so, it's sort of been going sideways. But just in this last year to date, it's up 24.1%, which so it's beating the market this year so far. And over one year, it's up 23, nearly 24%. So about the same. So over the last year, it's done pretty well. Interesting to see that Berkshire's been buying it So they obviously think that it's got some upside to come over the long term. And it's starting to do well after a period of going sideways. If you look at back at the stock graph over a very long time, it's done very well since the 1980s when it started off about, I think it IPO'd about $9. So now it's over 1500 So it has been compounding over a long time. It's just like the last five years or so haven't been so great. But over the long term, it's done very well. Tom Gaynor in a recent interview said that he thinks it will do well again, that he, it's on track and he's got faith in it. Part of investing. Investing in Markel is investing in Tom Gaynor and his investing ability. He's been there for a long time, should be there for a long time to come. And he's got a, got the plan of investing incrementally this way following the Buffett method. It is an insurance company. We've also got Markel Ventures, which is buying companies. So they've kind of got these three avenues, like just like Berkshire has. They've got insurance, they've got Markel Ventures, and then they've got the stock portfolio of investing. You can see why it's called a baby Berkshire the market cap's still low, even though it's compounded very well over the long term. It's still not a large cap company, kind of a mid cap company, you could say. So there's a lot of compounding that still could be to come. And I'm betting that's the way that it will go. It's not investing advice, just what I'm doing. Last but not least, we have Seth Klarman from Baupost Group. I made a video about him very recently. He had a rare interview recently where he talked about the everything bubble that we've been through. So it's very interesting to see what he's invested in, what he's been buying and selling and what his portfolio is like. So Let's take a look at that. We have Liberty Global at 14.46% of the portfolio, which is pretty high allocation. We have VSat Inc., which is 12.15%, and then we have Google Alphabet at 9.01% of the portfolio, which it looks like they've reduced recently 29%. Well, Liberty Sirius XM, 8.79%. It kind of drops fairly quickly from these high percentages, but Warner Brothers Discovery is 7.72%. Fidelity National Information Systems above that actually at 6.7%. Looking at the recent activity, we can see Garrett Motion. They've added 629%, but it's only 3% of the portfolio, which I guess is actually pretty high. That's a company that I've noticed has been on Joel Greenblatt's Magic Formula list of companies from time to time over recent years. Next is Seagate Technology, another company that's been on Magic Formula list as well. He can be a traditional value investor investing in low price companies and waiting till they get to fair value and then selling on again. We notice new buys there for the last quarter. We can see Amazon. He bought Amazon, Dollar General, Union Pacific, and CRH PLC. Now, if we move over to ticket terminal, we can see the whole list pretty easily, and you can see that again, 13.66%. That Liberty Global position, and it drops pretty quickly to there. The lowest is 0.61%, which is Union Pacific, and Seagate, which is 0.63. So a lot of it's sort of concentrated near the top again and drops pretty quickly, which is similar to Thomas Gaynor in a way. From that recent interview of Seth Clemens, he said that there's been an everything bubble, but he thinks that this year has been a recovery from the bust of that everything bubble. And he rates it about 4 out of 10, as in how good it is to invest at the moment. The opportunities that he sees around about four out of 10. So Seth Klarman is pretty quiet as far as financial media. He doesn't talk much. He just invests, but he's got a very good record. So it's interesting, always interesting to see what he has been investing in. Right, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put videos up here of what YouTube thinks you should watch next. And I'm going to put links in the description of videos about these investors that I've talked about in this video that I've made previously. And thanks for watching or listening and I'll see you in the next one.